Hello, welcome to another episode of Block 101. I'm David Lynham. Uh, thanks for tuning in as always. Good to have you along with us. And um, today I'm going to be talking about what might be considered a bit of a taboo subject in the ticketing world. Um, I've been trying to get a straight answer on this one for as long as I can remember. Um, and so I'm going to try and address it as best I can today. So that topic is how much does a ticketing system cost? Um, and I guess the thing that I've come to appreciate over the years as I've been more involved in, in supplying systems is the answer is it depends. Uh, and that might sound like a bit of a cop out, um, but there are tons of factors at play here. And so I think the best thing I can do is to shed a bit of light on what some of those factors are. So if you're thinking about changing your supplier or if you're thinking about doing this for the first time, you can at least understand a little bit more from, from the supplier side as to what goes into um, or what should be going into some of these calculations. Um, ironically, I think from all of the research that I've done and people that I've spoken to around this, there seems to be very little correlation between you know, whether it's size of supplier, number of features, quality of product, however you may judge that, and the price. There seems to be very little correlation between all of those things. So I'm gonna try and lay out something um, that will help you to make a bit of sense of some of the factors at play. Um, and hopefully there'll be just you know good questions for you to, to ask yourselves internally and also to your potential suppliers as well. Um, so before I get into that, I've got a really uh, exciting announcement uh, to make about the Ticketing Professionals Conference. Um, I'm going to be there in March, um, looking forward to being involved. I'm going to be moderating uh, a few panel discussions, which um, I'm looking forward to. So uh, there'll be a separate podcast on that, but there'll be um, an exciting opportunity there to, uh, to get discounted tickets for that conference. So I'll, I'll tell you a bit more about that at the end of the show. Um, and also uh, check out, uh, there'll be a separate podcast specifically about it, um, talking about some of the sessions I'm looking forward to. Uh, some of the sessions I'm going to be involved in uh, and also the chance to um, to get some money off your tickets if you haven't booked already. Anyway, so let's move into uh, pricing then. How much does this ticketing system cost? Well, um, it's been a common thing in our industry from as, as far back as I can remember um, that suppliers just don't really reveal price. And at first I thought that might be you know a bit shady. You know, why can't we just get a price off people? But I've come to understand over the years that it's not quite that simple because there are so many moving parts, there are so many factors to consider. So it would be in some cases wrong just to say upfront, this is how much it is um, because there are uh, there's a fair chance that you know requirements are gonna be different, goalposts will move, things will change, and um, there may be things that you maybe don't realize you need that you do actually need. Um, and so setting a price upfront wouldn't necessarily be fair. And also you may not understand the, the, the reason why things may seem a bit more expensive than you would expect as well. Um, so let's talk about a couple of the different business models that um, you may find your suppliers have. So the first one is the is a standard fixed price. Um, can be really helpful for, I know a lot of teams um, are quite keen on this, simply because it means you know where you stand every month. You've got a budget, you know what you're gonna spend. Um, and within that, you know, most of the time, I think when you, you go down that fixed price route, you generally end up being 
better off in the deal. Um, I think from a supplier's point of view, there are also benefits. You know, if, you, if you're looking at sort of cash flow and you want to make sure that you can budget effectively, you've got steady income, um, and you're not reliant on you know fluctuating income each month depending on what people have sold, then uh, you know the fixed price route um, it, it can be quite effective. Someone quite recently um, sort of summarised it. Uh, comparing it to mortgages you know some people they like a fixed rate mortgage they're happy to know what's going out each month and it's going to be the same and some people they'll prefer a tracker and they'll, they'll they're happy with it moving uh, around um, just like you know depending on how the market's going so it's a nice way of thinking about it um, a fixed price if this is your first time into the world of ticketing um, you're not quite sure what you're going to sell or how popular this is going to be then that might be for you. Uh, I tend to find you know, people that sort of come at it from that angle. Um, I like it because it forces them to, to try and make it work, to stick with it, rather than going down the route of what we're gonna talk about in a minute, um, where you pay per item or per value, and then uh, you, know, you give it two weeks, you've not sold that much, and you give up on it, probably not giving it enough effort. So um, the fixed price sort of encourages that. It gets everyone in the organization behind it, um, now you've you know, got this outlay, you're going to make sure you make it work. And you know, nine times out of ten, you do make it work uh, and you end up being quite well off or well up on the deal. Um, so moving on then, our, our next business model is the, the, probably the most popular in the ticketing world, the per item fee or uh, an adaptation of that might be a, a percentage of the value of the transaction. Um, and again, you know, this can be useful, um, particularly if you're... Um, you're not entirely sure what you're going to spend. The flip side here is if you don't sell anything and it ends up being a complete disaster, you don't end up spending a lot of money. So um, we kind of bill this one as, as risk-free at Kaizen. You know, if you, uh, if you don't sell anything, we don't get paid. That's not great. So we're going to obviously help you to sell more. Um, so the great thing about this is you kind of incentivize your supplier to work with you to help you market. And again, if you're new to this and maybe you're not that sure on the best way of marketing um, your ticketing products or, or other things that you're selling, then you can kind of get your supplier in to help you with that because there's incentive there as well. Um, the adaptation of that is around per value. So you may find that um, if you're selling, this probably is a bit more relevant to higher priced items. Um, so rather than just taking a fee for selling one of those things, you might cut a percentage of the value with your supplier um, so that they're a bit more incentivized, particularly if you're selling things that are you know, hundreds or even thousands of pounds, um, it makes a little bit more sense for everybody. So they're some of the, the more common approaches. Um, I think if you look at most suppliers out there, they'll be doing one or both or variations of these types of things. Um, of course, there are other ways that you can do it. These tend to be the most common. Um, so straight away you can see, particularly around you know, the per item stuff or the per value stuff, it's really hard to just give you a price for how much this is gonna cost if we have no idea how much you're gonna be selling. Um, but there are some other things you need to think about as well because it's not just about per ticket or just a, a round number that you're gonna pay every month. There are other things that will potentially cost you money or potentially cost your suppliers money um, and you may well find that these things are being passed on to you as well. So let's take a look at some of those. Um, the first thing to think about is the cost of delivering this to you. So um, that will be varied depending on who your supplier is, uh, depending on how they get set up and bring on new clients. 
It could also um, be determined by the way that the infrastructure is supported. So um, we had did an episode a few weeks back now with, with our CTO, Kieran Benton. We talked about um, the way that we, we moved all of our infrastructure to Google Cloud. Uh, and there are obvious cost-saving benefits there for both us and we can pass them on to our clients as well because it means that we can get people set up really quickly. It doesn't cost us additional money to do that. It does obviously cost us some time and, and people to get that, that moving, but it's nowhere near as expensive um, as maybe you know other ways of delivering a ticketing system if you have to maybe get someone to go and buy new servers and, and configure them and have them um, set up somewhere and, and maintained by people. Um, and that's, you know again, realistic for some suppliers out there. That is a thing uh, which obviously costs a lot more money. Um, so it might be worth having that conversation, you know, if you're, you're looking around suppliers, you want to understand, you know, a little bit more about some of the ongoing costs or some of the costs to them and, and how that's impacting you. It may well be worth asking that question around the infrastructure and, and how that's maintained uh, and how much of the price is factored into that uh, or when you may be charged for that because um, that can sometimes be a bit of a nasty surprise if you get a, an annual maintenance fee that you weren't expecting. Uh, because of a, a, an older kind of infrastructure. Um, there are other factors out there as well. So we need to think about things like customization or um, potentially integrations with other pieces of software. This is a, a, a request that's more and more common in the age that we live in, and I think it's justified and, and, and quite rightly so. Um, however, bear in mind that integrating one piece of software with another obviously takes someone, uh, you know, there's a level of effort there, it takes time for someone to do it. Um, but the thing that people often forget is the, the ongoing cost of maintenance. So if, if someone changes their API, if there's a huge structural change to the product or architectural changes, that's obviously going to have a knock-on effect as well. So there's nothing wrong with having or asking for integrations to other products. I'm a big fan of it. I think if you can set up an ecosystem around your organization of integrated products you're going to make life much easier for people that work in that organization i think it's the future it's the way forward lots and lots of people are already doing it and i think it's only going to become more integrated as, as we move on um, but don't discount the uh, the work involved there um, people often forget that the, the maintenance part of it can be quite a big time sink uh, and the time that you know suppliers spend keeping things maintained, making sure that integrations are still working. Uh, that's obviously time lost in other areas of the business, developing new features, bringing in new customers. So there's obviously a cost to that as well. So um, be prepared for that. You know, there, there'll be an element I'm sure most suppliers will do, uh, you know, or have standard integrations that are maybe part of their pricing. But if you're looking for something a little bit more bespoke uh, and uh, maybe a little bit different, then I'm sure like most things with, with software, it can be done, but sometimes you know it's gonna cost you money. Um, linked to that is access control. So you will find that um, there's probably a couple of options here. Uh, a lot of suppliers will have their own preferred access control system. They may even have their, their own access control system. Um, and you know that will probably be in most cases their preference for you to work with. But you may be at a venue that has your own standard, standalone system and uh, again, an integration might be required there to, to make that all work together. Probably the biggest challenge I've seen with this is, you know, if you're using two different third parties, one for ticketing, one for access control, 
is just being really clear about who is responsible for what. Um, otherwise, you're going to have this awkward situation where something breaks and supplier one is pointing at supplier two, who's pointing back at supplier one, and no one wants to take responsibility for the, the ownership of this. So if you do go down that route, again, just make sure it's really clear who's responsible for what and who you go to for um, you know, an issue when something does go wrong, who's responsible, who do you call, who's going to take ownership of it. Alternatively, you may be looking for a supplier that can do all of this for you. Um, and that generally tends to be the, the easier option, of course, if you can just go to one person who owns everything then uh, you don't have you know, all of this, um, this headache over you know, people pointing fingers at each other. Um, so bear in mind, you know, access control is, is becoming more and more of an important thing as we move to more digital uh, methods of entry. Um, so that, that could be another consideration that will possibly drastically affect your prices. Um, next one, training and support. So I feel I have a split um, feelings over this one because you know, the, the product person in me says, you know, this product should be so intuitive, so simple, so easy to use. We don't need to charge people for training. We don't need or shouldn't need big, clunky user manuals and referral guides so that people know what to do. We shouldn't have to spend days and days on site with people teaching them how to use our product. The flip side is, and the reality, I think, is, you know, people will come into uh, using a product and a new product with varying levels of experience and so sometimes that training you know sort of extends beyond just how to use the product to more operational awareness or how to get the best out of the product in certain operational situations um, again training you know I know lots of suppliers make a lot of money off the back of training um, and again like I said I'm not quite sure how I feel about that I think there's a, there's a healthy balance somewhere of providing adequate training and support without having to charge extortionate amounts for it. But equally, the time it takes to provide the training, so that's people, maybe to create the materials for people to refer back to, again, this all does cost money. And so you may well find that this is either factored into the pricing um, as it stands, or depending on the level of training and support you need, they may well be ongoing or increasing charges if uh, it's taking up a lot of your supplier's time. Um, so the next one, services, and services very broad, um, but again, can be quite costly depending on what it is that you need. Um, so obviously you've got a ticketing system, awesome, but is there anything else on top of that that you need that support the system? So I'm thinking about things like uh, box office call center um, kind of solutions or fulfillment. Maybe it's ticket printing and dispatch. Maybe it's season card printing. Um, there are all sorts of additional services that can complement the system. Maybe you don't have the, the people, maybe you don't have the time to do all of this in-house. So you wanna outsource that, you wanna give it to your supplier to take care of. Um, that's awesome, it will take a lot of the strain off of you, but of course this will also come at a cost. Now, some people don't feel the need to have any kind of call center solution, because again, the age that we live in, most of our customers now seem to be quite comfortable just going online and taking care of themselves. Um, but equally, you know, there is an element there of customer service. People have questions, maybe they wanna to talk to somebody, uh, they want local knowledge. All of these kinds of things is where you might then start considering um, you know, outsourcing a call center uh, to your supplier. And the same thing goes around fulfillment, you know, particularly around 
at certain times of the year, maybe membership and season ticket renewals. Again, having a team of people to, to sit in your office and stuff envelopes. Is that the most efficient use of space, time, money in your organization? Maybe, maybe not. Really depends on the size of your club or, or your venue. Um, but again, think about that from a cost perspective. If you're thinking about changing your supplier or you're thinking about doing this for the first time, don't overlook those additional costs because again, you, you can get some, some, uh, some big surprises if um, this is all new to you. Um, other things to think about, bespoke development. I'm not a big fan of this, but it's a, a request that we sometimes find coming our way. Um, I prefer to try and take the approach of building something that is more configurable rather than very bespoke features for specific people. From a supplier's point of view, I'll always make the argument that it just becomes harder and harder and harder to maintain a product if we've got all of these little smaller versions and little tweaks for everybody else. Each individual has their own you know, little feature we've built here, feature we've built there. The maintenance of that over time is a really difficult thing to stay on top of. And over time, more and more things start to break. The quality of the product goes down. Everyone starts to get more frustrated and, and you, you lose goodwill very quickly. So we try and steer clear of bespoke development where we can, um, you know, in a situation where we really had to do it. There is going to be a cost to that and it's really going to be high because we always think about the opportunities that we're missing. We're not, you know, if we're building very bespoke features for, for one group of customers or one customer perhaps, then what are the opportunities we're missing out on? We could be making the product better for everybody. Everyone can benefit. We could be um, you know, winning new business. We could be moving into different markets. We could be doing all of these other things. So if we're taking our time just building something quite bespoke for, for one customer, then there's definitely a cost to us doing that. And so that would be uh, probably one of your higher ones. And I'd argue now, you know, in, in the age that we live in, the need for bespoke development um, is less and less because, um, you know, the quality of software, the quality of suppliers is only increasing. I think everyone's doing a really good job of sort of staying up to date with the demands of, you know, the modern day venue, sports team, um, you know, music concert, whatever it may be. So the need for the bespoke type work is now, I think it should be decreasing. Um, so last two, I think on my list. So think about hardware. So if you're setting up a box office, a physical box office for the first time, or even, you know, changing suppliers as well, this could be a thing. You may have to spend money on new printers, new thermal printers. Um, this is a bit of a, a minefield. Certain printers are or aren't compatible with other systems. So you may well find that there's a cost there to you for, for buying new thermal printers. Um, and that can be anywhere upwards from six or 700 quid up to a couple of grand maybe uh, per printer. So be prepared for that. Uh, and that's kind of going back to that point of you know outsourcing your services. Maybe you don't wanna spend that sort of money. Maybe there isn't really a need for a physical box office at the venue. It maybe it makes more sense to just outsource that operation and have your tickets printed off site and dispatched from somewhere else. Um, but if you want to bring all of that in house, or you need a box office, you know, at the venue, then uh, maybe you're going to have to spend on printers. Think about things like chip and pin readers as well. Again, um, not all different makes are compatible with all systems. So again, that's just a conversation to have with your supplier at the time uh, or the potential suppliers if you're moving around. Um, because you don't want to get um, 
surprised by these additional hardware costs, which um, you know, the hardware can be the stuff that, that really costs a lot of extra cash. Um, and then the final decision, and I have, again, probably split feelings on this one, um, you know, from a, when I was in a box office and, and finding the right system, I probably had one point of view. As a supplier now, I can understand that point of view, but also have other points of view. And this is, are you comfortable with a big supplier or a small supplier? So, you know, you can have a big established supplier. Uh, you've got that kind of safety net, if you like. If anything goes wrong, well, we're working with one of the biggest in the industry. So if they can't solve it, no one can disagree with that. But that's a common trail of thought. Um, and, you know, the, the whole kind of big supplier mentality, then, yeah, great. You know, that's brilliant. They're one of the biggest out there. But are they going to give you that kind of level of personal service and attention? Um, and that's going to be you know, being brutally honest, probably it depends how big you are to them as a client. Um, the flip side, you've got your smaller suppliers and the argument, you know, sort of pro is going to be, well, you know, they've, they've, they're probably going to give you the, the more personal service. Um, they're probably going to listen to your feature requests a little bit more. You've probably got more chance of getting things done um, your way on your terms. Uh, but equally, there's a level of risk. If they're, if they're small, if they're not established, are you okay with that? Are they growing? or you know, are they stagnating? And these are all things that you're gonna cover, I'm sure, in your, in your due diligence. Um, but you know, there's an argument for both. Um, I don't think there's one right answer and wrong, one wrong answer. I think it's more about you assessing where you're at, what you're comfortable with, uh, and what you're looking for from your supplier as well, because uh, I think there, there are benefits to both sides. Um, I'm always gonna fight the, the corner now of the smaller supplier being one myself. Um, I think we can give a level of service way, way sort of above and beyond those, uh, the bigger suppliers. Um, however, you know, there's this kind of preconception that the big suppliers will cost you more money, the small suppliers will cost you uh, less money, and that may well be the case. But equally, I think there's an argument there that, you know, just because you may be smaller than the market leader, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be cheaper because, you know, there could be a a cost attached to the fact that you're getting such great service that you may not get elsewhere. So it can work both ways and this is a really interesting dynamic I think uh, and something we're seeing quite a lot of at the moment. Um, really interesting debate, probably enough there for another podcast episode. So um, if you're in the market for a ticketing system, hopefully you find that sort of information useful. There's tons to think about, loads to consider. Um, so I'm going to wrap this one up. Um, so like I said, uh, Ticketing Professionals Conference, I'm going to do another podcast on that. Um, I'll have a discount code for you as well because, you know, I love discount codes. Um, and uh, yeah, you'll be able to get a bit of money off if you haven't got your ticket already. So stay tuned for that one. Uh, there'll be another podcast on that coming soon. Um, interviews as well. There'll be a few interviews coming probably in the next three or four weeks as we start to batch them up. And um, again, as always, if there's any topics that you want to discuss on the podcast, any people that you think should come on or you want to come on and, and have a chat about something, I'm always open to that. So let me know. Uh, so thanks for, um, for listening in. Really appreciate it. It's great to see the, the numbers this year, you know, definitely carrying on in terms of momentum from last year. So uh, loads more people tuning in, uh, loads of people checking out old episodes as well, which is really good to see. Um, so thank you for that keep listening and uh, yeah as long as you know you keep listening and I keep seeing these numbers improve I'll keep doing more so thank you once again and um, until next time I'll see you soon see ya